Our Old Testament passage today picks up again in Job chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. Again, these are Job's comforters speaking to them. This is not, these are men that are not speaking what is right about God. They're bringing condemnation against Job's life. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable to God? Surely he who is wise is profitable to himself. Is it any pleasure to God Almighty if you are in the right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chapter 1. And chapter two, have you considered my servant Job blameless in all his ways? Yes, it is a pleasure to God when we live right. Or is it gain to him if you make your ways blameless? Yes, chapter one, chapter two. Is it for you, is it for your fear of him that he reproves you and enters into judgment with you? Is not your evil abundant? There is no end to your iniquities. These are all lies, just, just lies. For you have exacted pledges of your brothers for nothing and have stripped the naked of their clothing. Had he ever done that? No. You have given no water to the weary to drink and you have withheld bad bread from the hungry. Had Job acted like that? Obviously not because God said he was blameless in all his ways. So they blamed Greed, when there was no greed. See, just because a person's prosperous doesn't mean they're greedy. It probably may mean, especially if it's a Christian, that they're generous. The man with power possessed the land, and the favored man lived in it. You have sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless you have crushed. No, he hadn't. We can just write big lies across this whole thing. Therefore, snares are around you, and sudden terror overwhelms you. He said, hey, this is all your fault. You've been greedy and stingy and hurt poor people. And it was all lies. Therefore, snares are all around you, and sudden terror overwhelms you, or darkness so that you cannot see, and a flood of water covers you. Is not God high in the heavens? See the highest stars, how lofty they are. But you say, what does God know? He never said that. Can he judge through the deep darkness? Thick, veil, thick clouds veil him so that he does not see. He walks on the vault of heaven. Will you keep to the old way that wicked men have trod? They were snatched away before their time. Their foundation was washed away. They said to God, depart from us, and what can the Almighty do to us? Yet he filled their houses with good things, and the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it and are glad. The innocent one mocks at them saying, surely our adversaries are cut off and what they left the fire has consumed. Agree with God and be at peace. Therefore, good will come to you. Now, all this sounds spiritual, but it's all lies. These men were condemning Job with things that were not true. Receive instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Lord Almighty, you will be built up. If you remove injustice far from your tents, if you lay gold in the dust, the gold of Ophar among the stones of the torrent bed, then the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift your face up before God. Again, this all sounds so spiritual, but it's all wrong because God said Job was blameless in all his ways.
God said that. You see, there are times that people, beloved, look at the problems of your life and they want to condemn you and they want to put you down. And it's just not true. These people were jealous of his prosperity and jealous of his blessings. Verse 27, you will make your prayer to him and he will hear you and you will pay your vows. You will decide on a matter and it will be established for you and light will shine in your ways. For when they are humbled, you say it is because of pride, but he saves the lowly. He delivers even the one who is not innocent. Who can be delivered through the cleanness of your hands? Again, this is all condemnation, beloved. See, when you read this, you have to understand these are not God's words to Job. These are the words of religious condemnation to Job. Then Job answered and said, Today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. Job knew that God listened. There is an upright man. There an upright man could argue with him and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. He said, I would be acquitted. Job said, I know how I've lived. I've lived right. And you're not going to sit here and bring this condemnation on me. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backwards, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But he knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. There's faith. There's faith and trust. My foot has held fast to his steps. Ah, I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than the portion of food. But he is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. Therefore I am terrified in his presence. When I consider, I am in dread of him. God has made my heart faint, and the Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because of the thick darkness that covers my face. He said, you know what? I'm not quite sure what's going on right now. But God will complete what he has appointed for me. Chapter 24. Why are not times of judgment kept by the Almighty? And why do those who know him never see his days? Some move landmarks, which was considered a great sin. They seize flocks and pasture them. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless and take the widow's ox's pledge. They thrust the poor off the road. The poor of the earth all hide themselves. Behold, like wild donkeys in the deserts, the poor go out to their toil seeking game, and the wasteland yields food for their children. They gather their fodder in the field and they glean the vineyard of the wicked man. They lie all night naked without clothing. They have no covering in the cold. They are wet with the rain of the mountains and cling to the rock for lack of shelter. There are those who snatch the fatherless child from the breast and they take a pledge against the poor. They go about naked without clothing, hungry, they carry the sheaves. 
Among the olive rows of the wicked, they make olive oil. They tread the winepress, they suffer thirst. For out of the city the dying groan, and the soul of the wounded cries for help. Yet God charges no one with wrong. That's one of those question marks. Job says, I don't get this. Yet God charges no one with wrong. He said, I've watched all of this. There are those who rebel against the light, who are not acquainted with its ways. They do not stay in its paths. The murderer rises before it is light, that he may kill the poor and needy, and in the night he's like a thief. The eye of the adulterer also waits for twilight, say, no eye will see me, and he veils his face. In the dark they dig through houses, by day they shut themselves up. They do not know the light. For deep darkness is morning to all of them. For they are friends with the terrors of the deep darkness. You say, swift are they on the face of the waters? Their portion is cursed in the land. No treader turns toward their vineyards. Drought and heat snatch away the snow waters. So does Sheol those who have sinned. The womb forgets them. The worm finds them sweet. They are no longer remembered. So wickedness is broken like a tree. This is the end of the wicked. They're always broken. They wrong the barren childless woman. They do no good to the widow. Yet God prolongs the life of the mighty by his power. They rise up when they despair life. He gives them security and they are supported. Their eyes are upon their ways. They are exalted a little while and then they're gone. They are brought low and gathered up like all others. They are cut off like the heads of grain. If it is not so, who will prove me a liar and show me that there is nothing in what I say? Job does not back down. Now, brothers and sisters, one of the things you have to learn in life is that there are always those who are wrong, who use spiritual words to condemn those who are right. Okay, this is one of the great principles that you see in the book of Job. And sometimes you just have to learn to stand. Go, you know what? No, that's not true. I have lived right. I have done what's right. If God finds fault in me, God will judge me, but you will not. This is one of the great themes of Job and an understanding that the wicked will finally be brought to judgment. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2. When confusion's my companion and despair holds me for ransom, I will fear no fear. I know that you are near When I'm caught deep in the valley With chaos for my company I find my comfort here I know that you are near My help 
New Testament passage today picks up in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We begin a new book today. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. So Paul says, this is who I am. Now notice he says, and. He never says thee. He says, and. There's lots of apostles. He said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's, that's who I am. By the will of God. I didn't, I'm not self-called. I'm not man-called. This is something God did. And Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. All right, so this is to the church of God at Corinth and to all the saints who are in all of Achaia. Achaia is the province. All right, that would be like um, to all the saints in, in San Mateo, as well, excuse me, to, to the Church of God at San Mateo and to all the saints of Rizal. 
Okay, so it's, he's writing to the province, which would include Sincrea, it would include Athens, that entire section. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that. Grace to you and peace. <laughs> Do you speak grace to people? Grace to you. Grace to you. I like that. There are many churches in the world that to this day, they have a greeting time in the middle of a service. Grace to you. I like that. Grace to you. This is how Paul speaks. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. All right. So these are titles of God. Remember all those lists that I teach you to make? These are lists of the titles of God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Do you get an idea that that might be a sermon one day when we get to 2 Corinthians? Who comforts us in all our affliction. All right, so this is what the Father does. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. With the comfort we ourselves are comforted from God. All right, so God says, let me give it to you New Living Translation. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we are able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I love that. This is, this is New Living down here, all right? I love that. The reason we can comfort others is because we receive comfort. You see, whatever fills your heart is what comes out. So God fills our heart with comfort in the middle of our afflictions. Sometimes this is translated troubles. So in the middle of all your troubles right now of COVID-19, if you will spend time in the presence of the Father, he will bring comfort into your heart. In the middle of your financial challenges, in the middle of everything going on, he will bring comfort to your heart. And then from that comfort that God puts in your heart, you can reach out and comfort others. You see, you can't, you can't give to others what you have not received yourself. You know, I talked with a young pastor one time, and I was listening to him, and he was full of, ugh. Everything he had to say was mocking and criticism of everybody else. And I said, you know, it's very obvious what fills your heart. Because every time you open your mouth, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. You have a lot of bitterness. You have a lot of rage. You have a lot of unforgiveness. And I said, you know, you've got a lot of sin that you're covering up too, and that's why you're so angry. He looked at me and said, how do you know that? I said, because at some point in your life, every preacher has lived there. I said, now, young man, I know there's been some things in your life that have been rough, but why don't you come to God and let God fix your heart? I said, when God fixes your heart, your sermons will be fixed also, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is what Paul is trying to say here. You know, in the middle of your trouble, you can get bitter or you can get comfort from God. In the middle of all your afflictions, you can get angry and hostile, and, or, or you can let God fill you with comfort. Ah. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort. Wow, I like that. 
<laughs> yes. We may share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. You know, yeah, we, we, we may share in the sufferings of Christ, but we also share abundantly in comfort. Have you ever noticed God doesn't do anything with an eyedropper? <laughs> he, he does everything with a dump truck. He doesn't give a little comfort into your life. He gives abundant comfort into your life. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. We always want to talk about the sacrifice that we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, but we also share abundantly in the comfort. Oh, I like that. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we endure. Ah. Okay, so you got to go through some things. You got to go through some stuff. Now look at it down here. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same suffer, the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort that God has given us. Okay, so Paul said, listen, you're, you're going to go through some of the same stuff we've gone through. And you're going to see how God comforted us, and you're going to get the same comfort. Now look at verse 7. And this is beautiful. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Now, now here is, this is a leader's heart. Our hope for you is unshaken. That's a leader's heart. Hope is the confident expectation of future good. A good leader always hopes for the best. A good leader does not have a heart full of condemnation. A good leader always hopes for people. Because remember, love always hopes. We can tie in 1 Corinthians 13 there. Love always hopes. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. He said, my goodness gracious, he said, he said, we thought we were going to die. Look at New Living Translation. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. He said, in fact, we expected to die. Paul said, listen, man, we didn't think we were going to make it through this thing. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, verse 9. But... That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Look at New Living Translation. As a result, whoa, as a result, we stop relying upon ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. Now, beloved, please, I don't believe that God sent COVID-19. This is all the work of the devil. But I want you to notice when the devil brings things against us, there are things we learn. And some of you, in all of the good days, you learn to rely on your own ability, your own skills, your own hard work. 
your own ideas. And in the middle of COVID-19, prayerfully, a new generation of believers has learned not to rely on yourselves, but to rely on God. We'll call this lessons learned. And this is a great list to also make in a little notebook. Lessons learned. He said, let me tell you what we learned. We learned not to rely on ourselves. We learned that, you know what? We couldn't talk our way out of this. We couldn't figure a way out of this. We learned not to rely on ourselves, but on God. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. He has past tense, and he will future. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. All right, so past and future lessons learned. You must also help us by prayer. Okay, you must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. The blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Beloved, Paul said, hey, you must help me in prayer. He talks to the church in Rome in the last chapter of Romans, or Romans 15. He said, hey, pray for us. You must help us in prayer. Now, now beloved, may I beg of you, pray for me, pray for Sister Bev, pray for Pastor A and EJ, pray for your campus pastor, pray for your district pastor, pray for your, your department head pastor, pray for your, your branch pastor. Every day, pray for them. People always say, Pastor, what can I do to help? Pray. Okay, I, I know that sounds trite, but if you will pray, God will grant us blessings through your prayers. Whoa. God will bless us so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. The greatest thing you can do for us, if you want us to be good pastors and successful pastors, the greatest thing you can do for us is pray for us. Ah. See, when we ask you to pray for us, for us as a pastor, that is not a, a blowing off answer. You know, sometimes when people, you say, what can I do to help you? Just pray for me. That's a blowing off answer. That, that's just some sounding spiritual blow them off answer. But when we ask you to pray for us, that's not blowing you off. That's saying, please, this is what we need. Blessings will be granted us through the prayers of many. Wow. All right. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs for a little wisdom now. Proverbs chapter 11, beginning with verse 7. Can I read it to you from the New Living today? It, it's just so beautiful. When the wicked dies, their hopes die with them, for they rely on their own feeble strength. Okay. When the wicked dies, their hope perishes. Why? The expectation of wealth, that they're relying on their wealth, and it's, it's not working. The godly are rescued from trouble. I like that. And it falls on the wicked instead. And it falls on the wicked instead. So trouble comes. Okay. 
the godly are rescued and instead it falls on the wicked. So you don't need to fight with people. The wicked are always caught up in their own traps. Now look at this next passage. With their words, the godless destroy their friends. Wow. Now, the godless. When you see somebody destroying others that they supposedly have been friends with, they're telling you the truth of their character. They're telling you the truth of their character. Now, you may not like that statement, but you know what? You can destroy people with your words. Now, now stop all this Facebook arguing, okay? I don't care what people are saying about you, and I don't care what people are saying about me, and I don't care what people are saying about everybody else. Just stop it. You see, folks, you, you can never be productive and be in a fight at the same time. You can never be productive and be in a fight at the same time. And you don't want to get fight down in your insides. So just understand, okay, I know their character. I'll just stay away from them. These people are godless because they use words to destroy their friends. So forgive me, stay away from those people because one day it'll be your turn. But knowledge will rescue the righteous. Now, <laughs> Knowledge will rescue. Now, here's that word rescue a second time. Rescue. Rescue. God, see, you have to understand, there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. And there's a lot of people, they come along and they say a whole bunch of stuff. But then one day God just lets out the truth. And you don't have to go out and proclaim the truth. God will show you something. And, you'll, and it's not... A gift of suspicion, like one person said, oh, Pastor Sumrall, God revealed me to you, revealed your sin to me. Since when was God a slanderer and a gossip, okay? Excuse me. Knowledge will rescue the righteous. But one day you'll be reading something, you'll see something, you'll hear something, and all of a sudden you'll understand, okay, now I know exactly what to do. Knowledge, you'll hear something. And again, this is not some big spiritual thing. It'll be seen in the natural senses. It's, it's physical knowledge, all right? We'll rescue the righteous. God will always rescue you by revealing something in this world. The whole city celebrates when the godly succeeds. When godly people are successful, they shout for joy when the wicked die. What do you want to do? I, I want to be one of the godly ones. The people are happy for my success. Upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper. But the talk of the wicked tears it apart. Same thing with the family. Upright family members are good for the family and make it prosper. But the talk of wicked families tears it apart. The same is for a church. The talk of the wicked tears it apart. Upright citizens, upright members make it prosper. Now, now here is a truth that you got to get a hold of. Again, the truth of character. And again, notice its words. Words reveal truth of character. If somebody's bashing everybody all the time and talking about how evil everybody else is all the time, you know what? Tearing other people down, destroying their friends with their words. They're telling you the truth of their character. You, you don't need to go to war with these people. Just... Avoid them. Just stay away from them. Amen? 
All right. We'll see you tonight.